as with any good mini-series, they usually give you a recap, and, and I have to tell you, we're, we're just at the end of a four-part series on called Back to Basics, and we're using the Ernest Holmes Science of Mind textbook, and so let me catch you up today just as quickly as I can here. So week one of Back to Basics was simply talking about the incredible, vast, and powerful nature of God itself all wise, all present, you know, just like as big and bold and gracious as you can imagine, that's God. The second week, the way it works is simply that it, God, works through us. That if God indeed is everywhere present, if this majesty is everywhere, then, well, hello, God is right here too, correct? All right, and we talked quite a bit about that, really recognizing that we inherit, if you will, the full keys to the kingdom. There is nothing that God would deny us. Uh, With the power of our own intentions and thinking, we inherit God's full power. Okay, last week we talked about what it does, and this is simplicity itself, or is it? What God does is simply respond to our thoughts and our emotions in the physical world. And so when we have, um, let me think of a good example. If we have thoughts, for instance, of lack and limitation, maybe currently our situation is that we're out of work or something like that. If our thoughts play into that and we continue having thoughts of lack and limitation or hopelessness, unfortunately, what God does is say, okay, I can get you more of that right? And likewise, the good news part of it, naturally, is that when we have thoughts of power, when we have thoughts of love, when we have thoughts of of life, then God says, yeah, I can give you more of that as well. So that was last week, what it does. And we kind of ended on the note of also qualifying it a bit by saying it isn't just individual thoughts. So, so if I just happen to think that Sharon Lee Foley will rise from her chair, she may or she may not <laughs> because she has a little bit of free will involved here, right? But if we have a collection of thoughts that persist from some period of time, you might even say a definite belief about something. This is where God takes that intentions with our emotions of acceptance and makes it real in the world. And so today, my talk is called How to Use It, because if you think about it, if this is a spiritual principle, that means it should work for everyone. And if a spiritual principle will work for everyone, why shouldn't we use it? Why shouldn't we systematically set ourselves up for success by actually using this. And so today we're going to do this, and and I've, um, okay, so now and then I get kind of corny, I have to admit, and uh, and we're going to do a reenactment, and and I'm going to need some help here. So so for those of you who have a little more stage presence or want to be stage presence, which is even better, uh, be thinking of how you might help me with this. So what we're going to do is we're going to portray my mind, yeah, I know, not, not, not an easy task, and, and I'm going to simply resent, uh, represent one of my thoughts, and I'm going to ask others here in the audience to represent others of my thoughts, and we're going to, I don't know, do you ever feel in your own head as though there's kind of a tug of war going on sometimes? Like, you might call them conflicting thoughts. So I'm going to stand right here in the middle, and my initial thought is, I think it's time that I could write a book. Never written a book before, have a lot to say, as most of you know, on Sunday, right? 
So my initial thought, and, I, and I'm kind of right here in the middle of the tug of war, and you might think this way represents, yeah, the body of thought will have me be writing that book and publishing that book. And this area kind of like, well, maybe not. Like maybe there are some good reasons for not publishing the book. Maybe the beliefs should be that we're not going to publish the book. So that, that's the way this is going to work. And I'll need some volunteers. Who would like to help me with that? Uh, Carolyn, thank you. Oh, let me get the microphone here, too. I know they're taping this, and, and uh, we always get nervous if some of this isn't on tape. So, uh, so Carol, I don't, but we do. So, Carolyn, you can, you, can be, you can be one of my initial thoughts here about the subject. Thousands of people have tried this and failed. Stick with something you really know how to do. Now, now see, so, so obviously you're one of the more negative. I know, Carolyn, but it'll be okay. <laughs> trust, trust me. It'll, it'll be okay, I promise. Okay. Now, haven't you had thoughts of this? Like, if it's something you haven't tried before, right? You might be thinking, well, lots of people try to write a book, right? How many of them actually succeed? You know, Larry, why don't you stick with something you kind of know how to do? So this is actually a pretty realistic thought that might go through my head. Okay, another volunteer? Who would like to help me with another one? Some, yeah, Pamela? I'll get you next. All right. So, Pamela, here's another thought that, that whisked through my brain. Who do you think you are? <laughs> you don't have any experience to complete this. You're likely to fail at this new project. Mm, now, now, there's another one, too. Whenever, uh, so, yeah, yeah, you're, I, I have to say you're a little negative today, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So, so, doesn't this one cross your mind, too, sometimes, right? You get this high and mighty idea, right? And then the thought comes to you, who am I? Who am I to think I can possibly do this? It's like that self-defeating thing in some of us that rears its ugly head from time to time. Okay, one, uh, Joette, thanks. Mm -hmm. now, now, I'm going to have to qualify this one, but, but, <laughs> but would you mind? Because this did You're cross my... You're too old to be trying something new of, the, of this magnitude. Leave this to someone with more energy. Okay, all right. <laughs> Now, this one I want to talk about because age is a really interesting thing. Now, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and there are lots of things I have discussed. As soon as the senior discounts kick in, <laughs> the thought that you're too old, too, also kicks in. It's like magic. I want to give the senior discounts back. <laughs> but, you know, it also works in reverse. If you're in your 30s or 20s, a good friend of mine is trying for her exam as a financial planner. And do you know what her boss said? Her boss said, this is going to be tough because in this field, people won't pay attention to you until you're 50. So don't think that just these self-doubts around our ages happen as we get older. They can likewise happen to the young. Sometimes the young are absolutely viewed as inexperienced simply because of their age. So, so either way, I think this is a, likewise a pretty real one, right? Uh, uh, you know, who are you to think you can do this? And at your age, shouldn't you be thinking of something with a little less energy involved? Okay, one, one more, uh, okay, thank you. One more negative thought here. There's no way you can do this by yourself, and you don't have the support you need to pull it off. Try something smaller. 
Okay. So another thought, too, that idea of feeling isolated and I have to do this all by myself and the chances of me being able to pull this off all by myself are not so good. All right, so we've got it set up. Let's do our tug of war. Now, even I think only Joette's really pulling, and I gotta tell you, she's pretty strong. Oh my God! Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. We can stop. We can stop. So now this is the trouble. This is the trouble with what happens to us often when we have a grand thought, when there's something new we want to try, when there's something perhaps we've wanted to do all our lives or a big change that we want to make, we allow our negative thoughts, right, to absolutely pull us down. And, and a lot of these thoughts, and, and here's where I want to spend a little more time on this, are these even real things? They were real thoughts in my head. I, I absolutely did write them down. All these thoughts did occur to me. But let's talk about this for a minute. Pamela, what was yours again? Who do you think you are? Oh, okay, Pamela, I want to address, I want to address you <laughs> right now. Because you know what? The reverse is even truer. There are thousands of people that have been successful authors, right? I think you need to sit down. <laughs> and thank you, by the way. But do you see, sometimes these thoughts can be just as easily dismissed, can't they? Because although, although what she represented in my head may be a factual truth, hey, an equally factual truth is thousands of people are successful at being an author, and I absolutely have as much chance as anyone else. So occasionally you can confront a thought and then just have it sit down. <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm defeated, good enough. Carolyn, what was yours? Stick with something you really know how to do. Oh my gosh. Now doesn't this have the element of truth in it? We all want to be successful. And isn't it always easier to be successful in something that you've been successful in before? I want to tell you though, this is another one of those. Every great breakthrough on the planet has been done by someone who didn't know what they were doing, right? We all get experience by trying things. If we only played the safe way, we would never achieve anything. And all the great things that have been achieved throughout the ages have been done by people who initially didn't know what the heck they were doing. Okay, I'm going to ask Carolyn. I'm going to ask you to sit down as well. Oh, I know. I know. I'm so sorry. Um, Joette, what was yours again? Now, you know, the sneaky thing about this one is there's an element of truth in it. This is one I would have trouble simply refuting. Maybe the age part, because I know, of course, lots of authors who are in their 70s and 80s, and, you know, that part of it I can, I, I can kind of put aside. But anytime we embark upon something brand new, and if we're going to give it our all, we do have to be committed 110%, Right? And so it will require a certain amount of energy, and I can't just miss that thought. In fact, that thought might even, might even have a usefulness to it. 
if you think about it, maybe I need to plan for ways to have plenty of energy for what I need to do. So maybe in a way, maybe I can use this to my advantage. Maybe this thought, rather than being limiting, can be constructive. I think you should join me on this side. Do you know what I mean? If we can take a belief and make something useful out of it, it's like we're transforming it. It's though we're flipping it into our friend. Because really, I think it will be really jolly good use that we can put to this if I can honestly say to myself, yeah, I know that this is going to take more energy than what I'm used to, and here's my plan for doing it. So thank you for joining the right side. Okay, so what's, what's our last one again? There's no way you can do this by yourself, and you don't have the support you need to pull it Try something smaller. Try something smaller. You can't do this by yourself. Now this is another little tricky one. I just can't dismiss it. Isn't it funny? Some of the most powerful negative ideas are powerful because they have the element of truth in them. And this is true. I mean, I can write the book, but I can't publish it myself, right? I can write the book, but I also know that I'm not a very good editor. I'm not, probably not going to do that by myself. Uh, I don't know anything about the publishing realm. I do know a lot about spirituality. So luckily the book's about spirituality and not publishing. But I'm going to actually need some help on this. You know, this is one that I probably am not going to dismiss easily. All right, now, if we took up our tug of war now, um, I'm hoping that you and I might prevail, but I want to suggest one other thing. So far, all we've been doing is looking at the thoughts that have been in our mind already, and I want to suggest that we can even do better than that. Why not stack the deck? (laughs) Can I have another volunteer? Bill, would you mind uh, reading this one, and we'll see what side you should go on. I always have the energy, health, and strength to do what I want to do. Ah, now there's a powerful thought. I think that Matt might help me get this book written. Let's put you on this side. And can we have uh, one more person? Nikki, could I ask you to read? All of God's resources are at your disposal. There's no big or small in God. Think big. All right, thank you. All right, and I even have a couple more. But you can see that we're amassing a powerful team here. And I bet even if you dig your heels in, we're going to prevail. All right, thank you for the demonstration today. Thank you all. I I appreciate your help. Appreciate your help. Thanks. So what I was trying to show you today is... um, Actually, there's kind of two parts to it. One is we have the power to actually, how do I want to say it? I think it's like growing a garden. If you want to think of your mind as a garden, what we're really doing is providing the ability to cultivate our thoughts. So some of our thoughts, we're just going to pull them up. Like the two people I asked to sit down, We're going to take a look at what's growing up there. We're going to really honestly say, is this true? Is it true for me? And if it isn't, I'm just going to pull that up like a weed. I'm just going to ask it to to sit back down in the audience and not trouble me anymore because I know that thousands of people my age and older, thousands of people are successful just like me at writing a book 
And so if other people want to claim failure, that's fine for them, but not for me. I'm simply going to refute it. Other ideas, did you notice that even negative ideas, sometimes we can use them to our advantage. And so if you can flip an idea by kind of reframing it, it can actually work for you. Of course, I will need more help than just me. That's part of the plan. So that thing that I'm afraid of, rather than living in fear of it, I'm going to make it part of the plan so that it's working on my side. The other thing that we can do, of course, is plant our own seeds. If we don't like what's growing in our garden, of course, we can weed it out. But let's on purpose plant the seeds that we specifically want. We can plant seeds of being good enough, plant seeds of being successful, plant seeds of God working on our side to achieve the goals that we want to achieve in the world. There's also one other thing that I want to throw out that's also important. So we've talked about the planting and the weeding, but what I also know about any good garden is it takes a little watering, sometimes a little fertilizer. And so this idea of really nurturing the garden, I think, is important as well. So, so we've got the thoughts that we want. We need to start taking small steps in the direction of how we want to go. So for an example, one of the ways to nurture my garden, maybe I ought to hang out with some successful authors. Maybe I ought to take a workshop in publishing your first novel. Do you know what I mean? There are all kinds of small steps that I can do to feed these ideas that are important and good in my life. I don't have to just lock myself in the room and hope the book publishes itself, right? I mean, we could. There's this tendency to think that prayer or, or that just replacing, um, replacing our thoughts does the work by itself. But as we learned in, in, work, in week two here, God works for us through us. And so anything we can do physically in the world to take steps along this path of our good, whether it's um, claiming a new relationship, whether it's uh, better financial work, whether it's peace with your boss, whatever it is, anything we can do that moves us in that, in that area is absolutely going to benefit us. It's going to bolster this idea. It's like adding two more people to the tug of war because not only are you claiming what you want and getting rid of what you don't want, but you're nurturing the ideas that will be successful for you. All right. Now I need to shift gear for just a minute because what I also know is that every now and then it seems like no matter what I do and no matter what I'm thinking... My initial tries will be anything, anything but successful. And this leads me into today's joke. <laughs> All right. So Michael is an out-of-work actor. He gets a call from his agent. Okay, Michael, I've got a small part in a play for you. It's in the old Vic Theater. It's Shakespeare. But I've got to tell you, it's only one line. Oh, that's no problem, says Michael. And he discovers that his one line is, Hark! I hear the cannons roar. So he practices at the theater. He learns his blocking from the assistant director. And for the rest of the week, it doesn't matter whether he's shaving, whether he's ironing, whether he's watching TV, he's saying his one line, Hark, I hear the cannons roar. I guess it's Shakespeare. It should be, Hark, I hear the cannons roar. Anyway, it's the <laughs> night of the performance, and he goes out with his friends for an early dinner. But you know, he has a bit too much wine. He loses track of time he realizes that he has 40 
minutes to get to the theater and get ready. So he's in a fury, he catches a cab, he makes it to the theater, he knocks on the back door, the stage door, holy heck, Michael, you'd better get ready quick, you're on stage in five minutes. He runs to makeup, throws on his costume, he's quickly made up and is running down the side of the stage, but he realizes he's on the wrong side of the stage. So he sprints as fast as he can to the other side and is literally thrown onto the stage by the stage manager when there's this sudden almighty bang behind him. He jumps forward on stage and screams, Oh my God, what the hell was that? Now you have to admit, we've all had days like that, right? It doesn't matter. It's like we've practiced our lines. We've gone over the blocking with the assistant director. In our own, in our own mind, we've laid out exactly the way it's supposed to go. And lo and behold, our initial attempt is maybe less than adequate. <laughs> but what this really leads me to is a story about one of my all-time heroes, Thomas Edison. Now, many of you know that Thomas and Edison, famous for the light bulb, uh, famous for many other inventions, did you know that he had over 1,000 active patents in his day? Over 1,000 literally to his name alone as the inventor. He also, of course, uh, invented the phonograph, the motion picture camera. But I would say most, he's famous for something that he didn't even do. He, believe it or not, did not in invent the electric light bulb. Several light bulbs had been created before him, but he made it in a way that it could be mass-produced and put in a series. Every light bulb up until then was fine. It was just like a light bulb attached to a, a, a very early kind of a battery, and the bulb itself would last for maybe a day. So there would be a problem in trying to light our homes this way. So no, he, he did actually create this, uh, this ability to have a light bulb that lasts for a while. But perhaps more important than what he's known for in this area is it took him over 6,000 different experiments, 6,000 tries at inventing a light bulb that would last for more than a couple hours before he got his first one. Now think about this, and the story gets better from them. One of Edison's most famous qualities was his uh, preser uh, preser what's the word? Perseverance. Perseverance, thank you. <laughs> While he was working on the nickel and iron storage battery, he performed 10,296 experiments before it was successful. 10,296. How many of us are willing to put that much energy into something that we know is going to be useful in our lives? How many of us are willing to even put four or five tries into something that we know is good, that we know is useful, that we know is important. I tell you, if we see failure in our life, which we may from time to time, this does not negate our ability to have our good. It simply means we must try again. 
We're not always going to get things right the first time. And, you know, that's why some of those negative thoughts have that ring of truth to them. You know, who do you think you are? What makes you think that you will be successful? And if the little voice in your head is really meaning the first time, well, then that's a real fear. Because often when I try something new, I am not going to be perfect the first time out. You know, um, Ken over here is my music teacher, and he will tell you that I've got a ways to go, and I've been taking lessons from some time now. That is okay. When we want to embark upon something new, something that's important to us, something that the world is going to benefit from, something that is going to make our, make our hearts sing, who on earth cares whether we're perfect first out of the hatch? I would suggest the only one that really does is right here. We need to give ourselves the freedom to make a mistake or two, to have a learning curve, to build up. You know, we're not uh, inventing that light bulb any more than Edison was. Often we're simply improving upon something that we already know how to do or something that someone else knows how to do. We do not have to be perfect. Our thoughts don't have to be exquisitely unique. We don't have to, do you know what I mean? So often this idea of perfection, this idea of, of being perfect the first time, it's a crock, I tell you. We can give ourselves the permission to be good as we slide into great. We can give ourselves the permission to make a few mistakes while we create something profound in our lives. This is the nature of God as us. The second week in this series, I talked a little bit about the, uh, the ancient Hebrew idea of the creation of, God, uh, the creation of the universe as being full of flaws, that even the universe itself is not perfect, it is becoming perfect. And so I would suggest to any of you that have that flavor of perfectionism in you, whether it's about work or, or your leisure life or anything, don't try to measure yourself against perfection. Instead, measure yourself against becoming what you want. Are you on that path of transformation? The end may never come. It is the journey itself that is the reward here. It is the process of becoming that which you wish to enjoy and to uphold and to have in this universe. Thomas Edison enjoyed every single day on the job. Now think about this. If Thomas Edison found disappointment when he had a failure, he would have had 10,000, I've already lost my note, but you know, 10,000 bad days before he got a good one. The nature of reality is that we find our success in the process itself, that we're enjoying what we're doing, that we're enjoying the people around us, that we can make a change in our own thoughts so that our lives are improved, so that our lives are full of the joy and the love and the peace that we desire and that is there for us. So I'm going to close today with a bit of homework for those of you who've been here the last four weeks, you know we're, we're kind of doing some cumulative homework. The first week I asked you simply to be aware of some of the negative thoughts that you had running around in your head, to pick a topic that was very important to you, whether it be relationships or the job or something that was really important to you, and collect your negative thoughts about it. In week two, I asked you to collect your positive thoughts about it, 
And in week three, last week, I asked you to begin thinking which of these thoughts are actually real. If you look at each thought very straightforwardly, and you can ask yourself, is this true? Is this true for me? Do I have ownership of this idea? And today's final little bit of homework, I want you to reenact, if you will, the little tug of war here. I want you to think of your own mind as a garden, and you have the power to affect how this is going to go. You can do weeding and throw out thoughts that don't pertain to you anymore, that pertain maybe to other people, or maybe never pertain to you. Maybe it was the, the thought that came in the voice of your mom or your grandmother or something like that. That just isn't even true. So weed out those thoughts that no longer apply, and then plant some thoughts that would empower you upon this course of action, whether it's a new job, whether it's a, a new place to live, whether it's an improved relationship, whether you're writing a book or there's something brand new in your life that you want to try, try loading that with some thoughts that are going to act positively for you. All right. Then the final little bit here is how are you going to nurture it? Begin taking steps in the direction of your success. If it's uh, finding a new life partner, it's time to get out of your apartment and start meeting people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If, if it's publishing that great book, uh, what I know for sure, any author will tell you, you need at least a couple chapters that you can show to a publisher, right? Begin taking those steps in the direction that you want to go. So I'm going to close with a, a quote from Ernest Holmes and a prayer. Here is how Ernest Holmes ends this fourth chapter in the Back to Basics series. He says, A new light is coming into this world. We are on the borderland of a new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is very thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith in it. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence and nothing, and nothing can hinder its progress. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life. And what I know about irrepressible life is that it is present everywhere. It's in every person, every place, everything, every situation. All is alive. And as this is true in general, it's true about me, it's true about each person in this room, each of us in the microcosm is a mirror of God on high. Each of us has keys to the kingdom. Each of us has the power and the presence to do what is ever necessary and whatever is desired on our part. And I also know that God is here to support us in our thought processes to bring about a new sense, a heightened sense of reality as we begin this process of focusing and weeding our thoughts. So with each passing week, I know that each person here has the capability of being ever more aware of the thoughts going on in their brain, ever more able to supplant it with positive thoughts, ever able to maybe even reverse some of the thoughts that they do not find to be helpful. And I know this comes with greater ease every passing week. I'm grateful in simply knowing that the power and the presence of God is at hand in the face of every person in this room and that that power is unlimited. I simply let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thank you.